Welcome to the Comic Crush Presents from Panels to Pictures. This is our comic book movie and TV podcast where we discuss the latest big and small screen versions of your favourite comic book characters. I'm Paul, your regular host, and this week the episode is co-hosted by Nikki Harax, an artist and musician currently residing in the US. If you want to check out Nikki's art and her music, you can get in touch with her on Instagram by following at slantedline. Nikki joins me this week to talk you through New Mutants, the troubled final chapter in Fox's X-Men series. On the Patreon-only section of the show, we talk about the X-Men film series as a whole and what we should expect from comic book adaptations. Now, I'm sure you guys want to support these podcasts and the Comic Crush website, where I give you a finely curated look at comics and the comic industry every week. And you can do that by signing up for one of our great Patreon tiers, which offer you everything from extended cuts of these podcasts to a mystery box brand new number one comic sent to you quarterly all for ridiculously small sums of money click the become a patron link on the site now or make a purchase from our new online shop where we offer modern comics recent first issues graphic novels and complete sets with free postage for any purchases over 10 pound and prices that aim to be lower than ebay uh, it all helps keep the site and the podcast running in these troubling times you can keep up with The Comic Crush by liking our page on Facebook, following us on Twitter or Instagram at The Comic Crush, and checking in with the site thecomiccrush.com for new articles and podcasts every week. Now, on with the show. So, Nikki, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me on it. I'm so excited to do this. Uh, you may feel differently after. <laughs> <laughs> after a bit of time talking about this movie. Obviously, this film has had a checkered journey to the screen. It was due to come out, I think, 2018, I think was its original release date. And it got pushed three or four times for various reasons. I think reshoots, things like that. And then, of course, COVID, you know, we were all speculating, would we ever actually get to see the movie on, on a screen? It did come out in August this year. It's a not brilliant box office, but I think, again, hampered by the same thing that's hampered everyone this year, which is uh, COVID-19. Now it's out for home media. Um, we've both had a chance to watch it. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of the movie, you've read some of the comics. I have not read a whole hell of a lot of New Mutants comics, but I'm, I'm interested to hear your take. Had you read New Mutants before you, you did this, before this podcast? No, no. I, I definitely watched the movie first. And then there were a lot of questions I had on the characters, why certain decisions were made. So I really needed to just do my part and like dig a little bit to try to understand <laughs> these characters a little better. I won't get into uh, a lot of the points that I'm going to make later, I guess, once we go through it. Mm. But... Uh, I'm very surprised uh, with some of the things. Like, I think Birdo's character was 100% who he is. Right. That's oh, can I swear on the <laughs> Yeah, let's, let's just say yes. <laughs> okay. I'll, yeah, I'll, re I'll reduce the amount of times I'll swear. But yeah, his character was pretty on point. I think he was the most true character to uh, the comic. A lot of questions about some of the other ones, um, their relationships with one another. Um, I'm just going to preface this before we get into everything. Uh, Danny and uh, Wolfsbane or Rain, I don't even think they said her name in the uh, movie. No, it, it's a weird thing. In, in a lot of the movies, they don't give them their superhero names, I, I, but I completely get that. Because as much as that works in comics to have someone running around going... Spider-Man or Captain America. Yeah. 
doesn't really work doesn't on work, screen. Yeah. No, and and also it, I have a theory about the domestication of superheroes, which is increasingly, especially Marvel, they've tried to normalise the superhero in a way, and it's something that's been happening for for quite a long time, at least since the early two thousands. And in doing that, part of that is is you just call him Steve, not Captain America, you know. Yeah. And it's 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 stuff like that that I think has helped the explosion of this kind of pop culture um but anyway sorry it's it's a half-baked theory and i won't i I totally agree with that from the standpoint i think at this point we want to make the superhero characters more human Mm. and people can relate to them better and try to put themselves in their shoes so they're just they're characters that uh are just a little more relatable but as far as um yeah the back to the comic danny and rain's character they were um I think they were telepathic, although in the issues that I read, they, they didn't really convey that at all. So they, they did have, like, a telepath, uh, telepathic connection with one another. Nice. But, yeah, I don't know how far I'm going to go into this because I don't want any, uh, I guess, spoilers on what we're going to unravel later it, on. We'll say now to anyone listening, um, there will inevitably be some spoilers as we talk about the storyline. Uh, we'll try and forewarn you if we're going to, you know, give anything major away, but part and parcel of uh, of this type of thing. But maybe we'll try for a sort of spoiler section towards the end. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the only thing I want to say about uh, Rain's character was uh, in the comics, which I, I am happy that they didn't uh, direct her in that direction for the movie. Uh, very cuddly, like a very cuddly and like. <laughs> character okay. could be different um yeah i read the this was the true believers uh cable on the new mutants uh issue that i had just like i just wanted to dip my toe in just to get a sense yeah. of character so like that was that and then i read the the new marvel uh ones that came out um which the characters seem like they're being restructured a little bit you know a little bit more updated a little less heavy go lucky yeah <laughs> Is that so, is that the Matt Rosenberg stuff? Uh, I think so. I I read it. I have my tablet inside, so of mm. course I don't have the uh, actual name. Yeah, I, I think I read that back when the movie was due to come out, like the second or third time. Um, <laughs> you know, in expectation of being able to see the film. Of course, then COVID happened, and I've I've since forgotten it. I I have the memory of a dying mayfly, so I will forget instantly the plot of anything i would have read it's it's terrible um it makes doing the website really difficult <laughs> but there yeah, you go I some of that stuff i thought was it was a little abrasive especially Birdo's character i was really off put by him in, in the, the comic, comic. Yeah. yeah in the comic for sure like he had that arrogance in the movie but they really like went full-blown with it in the comic <laughs> But yeah, that's that's I guess my little spiel on the the comics. But I definitely was happy that I read it and then connected some of the dots uh, with some of the other characters. I remember actually, like I, I've read some little bits here and there over the years, and again, it's it's kind of all gone. In fact, I remember picking up a comic, an X Men comic, once because, or it might have been even New Mutants, because it had a beautiful cover of Ilya Rasputin and Lockheed. Mm. Uh, on it, beautiful painted cover, and I think at that time I'd never, I, I was like 11, and I'd never seen a painted cover on a comic, and I was just like, oh, I've got to get this, this looks great. Uh, didn't yeah. understand what was going on in the comic, because obviously X-Men is just like the world's biggest 
comic soap opera and anything related with it just goes on into tangents and you know um and i've read some wolfsbane stuff in x factor by peter david i don't know if you've ever read that no i haven't i haven't really haven't jumped into it so this is like my first introduction right to it you know i've touched x-men here and there but um i've read the the newer ones that they came out with now the the house of x like so a lot of it i feel like i really have to sit down and like itemize everything i read with that because there's just like so much going on that i kind of lose focus on who's who and yeah i mean i i read house of x and um, house and powers of x which i loved i I thought it was great especially for kind of neophytes like me and because it was kind of completely upending both the history and the future of the x-men it was just like, oh, wow, this is great. I haven't read any of the stuff since then because, you know, being someone who I, I buy so many comics, I couldn't afford to take on five or six more, you know, X-Men <laughs> series. It's just like, no way, oh, that's not time. happening. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and time. It's it's the reading that always kills you. And it's, you know, I, I like the, the X-Factor stuff with Jamie Madrox. I don't know if you know him, the, the sort of multiple man. That, that stuff was great. And I, I highly recommend that if you can find it. Like, I had to buy all the singles. I brought, like, 50 issues of singles in a row um, because they were really cheap in, in the store I worked in, and it was just like, okay, I'm going to grab those and just commit to reading that. And then earlier this year, I think I finally sat down and read it. It's great. But wow. it, it probably does take some foreknowledge of, of X-Men, and uh, I don't have a lot of knowledge of X-Men. I've got more knowledge of X-Men from the movies than I have from comics. But... I enjoy them when I read them. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like that you did the single issues too. I think there's something special about doing it that way. I don't know, you feel accomplished once you get through <laughs> 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 you know, I like having that stack and just seeing it go down yeah. and then one rise. <laughs> so, it's it's always yeah, I, I gotta check it out. It's always daunting to, to sit and look at a big stack of comics and wonder how long is this gonna take me? How fast can I do this? And of course, yeah, taking your time is, is sometimes really nice and, you know, one issue a day, spacing yourself out. But yeah, I mean, did you enjoy the comics overall or? I, I did. I did. I, I like them. I, I want to know what's next in it. Um, some of the characters, I think in the, the new ones that they were writing, I'm confused, I think, as far as why they're going in that direction with them. And again, I don't want to overstep into uh where we're going to talk through the movie because i will like jump back to it but um you know like uh magic's character pretty intense like she's intense anyway but like i'm surprised that they're not like altering her uh speech a little bit in the the new ones (laughs) right okay because of the accent and things like that well uh well i'll get into that (laughs) in regards to the movie WTF moment like what is going on with these accents in the movie but as far as her and um, I I think in this realm where they're really trying to push um, especially since it's being it's Marvel pushing female superheroes in a very uplifting way Um, in the comic uh, I think there's one part that I had noted she's like about to kick everybody's butt (laughs) She's like, either we're going to fight or, uh, 
she didn't say sexual relations, but like, <laughs> I'm not going to swear on the show. <laughs> you can, you can um, swear on the show. People, I mean, yeah, she's like, either we're going to fight or fuck. I'm like, what? Where did this, like, where did this even come from? Like, I don't know if they're trying to be playful. Maybe it's just missed on me, but like, I, I feel like where they were going with the movie, especially with Danny and Rain's relationship, if that was like fully planned out or it was a uh, quote unquote studio planned out magic's comic doesn't match up to where I think that they would elevate women <laughs> in a comic world. So like I have a problem when they're just like not fully on board with the decisions that they're making. You're either going to be uplifting to women or, you know, like just make a decision. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, in looking at a character in the film, she is, kind of probably the most, I don't know, seductive, if you like. I mean, it's uh, there's certainly an element of that. Um, or at least you're meant to kind of think she is. And, and certainly the most dangerous. In terms of the movie, looking at it, I just didn't know what to expect. And that's sometimes good in a movie. Because it's better to kind of go in with zero expectations and sometimes zero knowledge. Um, because we only had that great... Tra well, we had a couple of great trailers... Which I, yeah. I think really sold the kind of atmosphere they were going for. And it was like, oh, wow, okay, we're going to get a horror film. Which we haven't had in the, the X-Men universe. Right? Yeah. What? what? Like, they had Marilyn Manson in there. Okay, so it just like... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how like hard I really hit this on the head, you know, like when we would meet up in London. But, like, I'm a huge metalhead. I'm a huge horror fan. I I got my alien yeah. guy. Like, I, they're all my alien characters. Predator. Like, I want the gore and all that aspect. Granted, I could put it in place. Like, this mm. may or may not have been like that. Or what. <laughs> but they were promoting it. Like, it was going to be this horror film. Like, they were about, like, 50% of the way there. Like, just go full-blown if you want to do it. But, like... Yeah, I, I think it's tough once, I mean, once Disney took over, I, I don't know how, how much horror they were going to put in. I mean, D Disney have a really tricky history with horror films because they, way back in the early 80s, they tried to make a, a few adult themed sci-fi and horror movies. They had The Black Hole, The Watcher in the Woods. And something wicked, wicked this way comes. Something wicked this way. So something yeah. wicked this way comes, which I actually feel is is a kind of unsung masterpiece. Yeah. However, those films were not successful in any way for Disney, and I think since then they they're kind of always been a bit wary of creating things above. It's like Disney Plus; they they can't have anything above a PG thirteen on Disney Plus. That's like the rule. Yeah, yeah. So this film. I guess was always going to struggle in moving home from from Fox to Fox as owned by Disney. I actually kind of like the atmosphere in the movie. I think they did okay with it. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's necessarily a remit to go super dark with that stuff because it is still an X-Men film. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of adult X-Men movies, you've had Logan, so that's kind of a pretty high yeah. bar. Yeah, that's pretty and, intense. Yeah, and you're not, <laughs> but you're not necessarily going to beat that with a, this this type of film. But my, my main problem was, is, is right from when you go in, into the, the sort of facility that they're all trapped in, you kind of get the sense that it's a, it's 
sinister straight away. Yeah. And it, it like the music starts, the violins, and it's just like, look, at least give me the illusion that it's not sinister, so I'm surprised later on. Because then nothing surprises you. Yeah. Like, it's just like, well, yeah, obviously everyone's a scumbag because... <laughs> We're in this, this truck, and we're just, like, going to keep trucking through. Yeah. Like, you're going to just, like, wave to everything that's happening and just, like, get to the end result. Oh, yeah, like, it was not a shock at all. Mm. It was like you were waiting for something to, like, pull the rug beneath your feet, and it just never it never happened because I think that it comes back to they weren't, like, they couldn't go, like, 100% in a certain direction with something, so they just kind of, like, sat in, like, this mediocre... And and I didn't hate the movie. It was just they sat in an average area with everything, the horror element, the romance element. Like, I wasn't really invested in the characters as much as I could have been, and I think that's what bothered me about the film. Yeah, and then, like, the self-inflicting damage. It was just, like, 50%. Like, right. just... If you want to really build uh, a connection between the viewer and the, the characters, make it seem like this is their only thing right now. And it was just like, oh, maybe they have other options. <laughs> you know, like just make us feel that pain for them. Like mm. just go full blown. And, and and yeah, I understand that it's Disney and like there's a certain cap, but like I feel like it suffered because of that. Yeah, I mean there was a lot of talk when it was in the, the throes of its kind of release problems, is it, was it going to end up on Hulu? Uh, which then would have precluded uh, at least me from seeing it because if they didn't show it in cinemas over here, yeah. that would have made a problem. And, and anyway, I ended up missing it in cinemas because <laughs> of 2020. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm pleased I finally got to see it in some form now. But yeah, you're right. They, they didn't quite push... The horror elements of it was kind of creepy, yeah. like the the um, the smiling man was was quite a creepy, weird creation. Um, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it did look yeah. like it, it's weird that they're watching those kind of out of order episodes of Buffy during the show, and and it's yeah. interesting how those things preclude what's coming on screen because they they. You see a scene of Tara and Willow kissing, which of course then you follow into Rain and uh, and Danny, and then you have the scene with the the gentleman. But of course, those anyone who knows Buffy knows those episodes are out of order. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, this is no. What are they doing? Reverse yeah. marathon? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. But right away, you're kind of in this creepy arena, and I would have rather been eased into it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I always like when films can suddenly switch halfway through from being about one thing to being about another and playing with your expectations from trailer. I mean, Christopher Nolan's good at that. And even, like, I've seen some comedies that are quite good at it where you expect it to kind of be one thing and then it kind of goes, oh, actually, bye-bye, we're going off in this direction. And But you're there. You're invested. Yeah. You're into it. Um, and I, I kind of liked... I didn't find Danny Moonstar as a, as, a, as a character in the movie engrossing enough to really follow um, because the really interesting ones are Rain and Ilya. And I think that's one area where they, they did get kind of pushing women right in that the, the women are the strongest, most interesting characters there. 
whether you agree with those actions that they take or not. I mean, I I was kind of a bit dubious. I was kind of really dubious about Rain because I was expecting her to be kind of fully on side with Dr. Reese at one point. Like, I I, I kind of thought she was going to literally be the, the wolf in the fold, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and she yeah, was kind of going to... Like, oh, I'm the best student, you know? Yeah. I wonder how much of that stuff got lost in the edit in terms of yeah. recutting or reshooting and like you'll never know especially now that it's Disney you'll, you'll kind of probably never know what got reshot because Disney okay. are very secretive they hate the idea of like director's cuts and things like that because they they very much want you to think as much as they go oh yeah we've got this great indie director doing this film and this film and that film no. really the author of a Disney movie is Disney and that's Disney. that's all they want. Very controlled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah we're only going to hit this. Yeah. This max. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it does make me wonder if you will ever find out what what got removed. And apparently there is a commentary on the on the Blu-ray of this film where they have Bill Singovich on. Um, I hope I've said that right. Sorry uh, if if he ever happens to listen to this. Um, Bill Singovich, I think it is, and he, the, the, it's him and the director. And all they do is talk about Sinkovich's career. They don't talk about the movie. Like they, really? they don't. They, they apparently don't even address the. They, they address the movie a little bit for for a few seconds towards the end, but they actually just talk about. And it actually is kind of this thing where you feel like this poor director is just finally defeated by all the stuff he's had to go through to get this movie out onto the, <laughs> into the public eye. And is just stuck with this one moment that he can have with the creator of or co-creator of New Mutants, <laughs> and, um, you know. So it, it's limited, kind of a, yeah, yeah. Limited I, I, in what he can discuss with it. Yeah, I mean, how much do you want to say? I mean, it's it's like, sorry, my vision is completely compromised. Yeah. I'm putting out a completely compromised film that I didn't probably want it to go out in this form, and it does feel like a slightly compromised movie. And as yeah. you say, a mediocre movie. It's kind of, yeah, it's good. It's passable, but it's not as good as it could have been. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you wanted it, you wanted it to be more because, like, on a scale of you know, or just assessing the characters and where they're coming from, and they're really like intense themes. Like Ileana's character is like, whoa, you know, this is like pretty intense and and that's where i struggled like is this supposed to be like a tween kitty movie or is this like an adult themed movie because i'm at a point where i like i want to protect like what kids see like i I feel like they shouldn't be exposed to this stuff like that early on but like uh you know like it's it's a really intense thing like danny's character she lost everyone you know it's just like this being alone and Jesus, Rain's character, forget about it. Yeah. Like, it's so in- it's such an intense thing that really pushes adult themes and horror themes, and then you got to like Disney level pull it back, and then you're not fully expressing, and that's why you're not really connecting 100% with the characters. You're just kind of watching them go through their um, timelines. Yeah. In in the, in the context of the movie, and then you're not really feeling for them as they're going through, like where you should be, like, oh my god, this is like 
the most intense thing I'm watching right now because of that theme and where she's coming from. Yeah, and it's it's weird because they're all kind of, with the exception of maybe Danny, in, in thinking about it now, they're all kind of quasi-victims of of a very male toxicity. So yeah. Rain had a kind of abusive situation happen to her when she revealed her sort of powers to a priest. Um but Bo was is kind of is kind of the toxic male, if you like. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's full of like kind of macho bravado and, and sexuality. Then you have oh god, I can't remember his name now, Charlie Higson's character. Oh, he was a Sam or Yeah, Sam. Animal, right? Yeah. yeah. And he he of course was forced to kind of drop out of school and go and work with his dad in the mines. And then you have Ilya, who seems to have suffered some kind of male abuse, which is, is kind of hinted at, but never fully kind of illustrated, which I'm kind of glad of, really. But you have those horrible scenes with the, the kind of smiling men kind of grabbing at her and, and, and stuff like that. And she talks about having killed all, all the people who were responsible for, for the things she went through. So there is a theme there, but it's never quite, you know, fully articulated. And even Ray's to a certain extent, she keeps mention, mentioning this kind of shadowy superior that you do feel is a very male figure, even though you're never, ever given their identity, really. You know it's it's this sort of mysterious corporation. I don't know. It, it It's a strange thing. Like, with the characters, how did you feel about their relationships because i for me some of the relationships really kind of surprised me not necessarily in a bad way but just just i I genuinely didn't know going in that they were going to take it in the directions i did how do you feel about some of those starting with Berto's character a hundred percent matched up and i I know we don't want to like a hundred percent compare movie to comic but like his his character 100% 100% lined up, he's egotistical, loves women, like, loves evil women, loves any type of woman, like, he just wants the attention and affection, and, like, is just very arrogant in that sense. So, like, when I was watching the movie and that scene in the pool had happened, I was like, what? Like, at, at the time, I was like, what, what the hell's going on here, you know, like, but it kind of made sense that his, uh, I guess, imaginative self would envision, you know, either magic coming after him or any of the other women in yeah. the area. Because he does make a comment to Danny at that point, too, earlier on. He had, when he she had first gotten there and uh, she was like, don't don't even like hit on me or whatever. And he's mm. like, I'm everybody's type. So like yeah. he's got like that. <laughs> You know, outward, egotistical, just like, give me all the women, I want all their affection. So, like, totally lines up with the direction, I think, that they took him. I had mentioned about magic um, in the comic, which was surprising to me in the context of where we are in the our real world, uh, as far as how they want to promote women, especially Marvel promoting women. Um, but again, her character being, like, this somewhat seductive figure in the film... Uh, was believable to how they presented her in the comics as well. What did surprise me was uh, Danny and Rain's relationship. You know, it just seemed a little oddly placed, you know, uh, when they first introduced Rain and Danny, like, I was like, wow, they're they're really picking up on the bond. You know, she saved her from 
uh, I don't know how many spoilers we're going to throw. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, in this suicidal moment and like kept her there and like you, you see this blossoming friendship and then all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, it turns into a lesbian relationship, which is, seems very oddly placed again in the comics. Uh, Wolfsbane's a very cuddly, from what I have read, character, very affectionate, hugging other characters, and not just Danny, but, like, uh, who was, I think it was, who would they rescue in this comic? I don't remember who it was, but, like, the first sight of this person just, like, hugs him and, like, embraces him, like, very openly affectionate, which... It didn't seem that way, like, when you first were introduced to her, and again, like... I know we don't want to be slapsticky and bash like the comic stuff over your head while watching a film, but to just develop this like what could be a intense relationship uh, between two women, you know, it just seemed very oddly placed in there. It was very conflicting, and um, you know, I like when characters are built and they have complex relationships. It just in the context of the film didn't make sense to me. It's like trying, uh, and I did have a note on here. Like, I feel like, I don't know, Shazam had built, they didn't have a romantic relationship in there, but like you connected with all them. They're all adopted kids mm. and they had a family bond. Like that was how they kind of like introduced that. I didn't see a love interest in Danny and Rain. Okay. But and I do have a quote too that was taken from director Josh Boone. Rain and Danny have a telepathic connection in the comics, so we wanted to extend that in the film and put that within reality. If they could really understand each other on that level, then you would probably end up falling in love with that person. Which I think is kind of like you know, that's a stretch. I was at one moment placing that um, you know, putting myself in those shoes and then, then they turned it into something that I didn't think fit. I thought it was just to be put in there for the sake of being put in there. And I, I don't like when okay. movies just drop stuff in for the sake of that. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I felt the building up to that. I felt the relationship was fairly organic. I, you know, I, I certainly have no problem with that stuff being in, in films. And I know you don't either. It's just like I, I, I didn't know if that was kind of true to the comics characters. And and certainly, like I said, you know, I've only read a little bit of each of those characters, so I don't know enough to be able to say, oh, yeah, that's how it should be. That's how it shouldn't. I don't really have a problem with it. Um, I feel like they're... It's interesting because the, the the one character that gets shortchanged out of meaningful relationships is the character that doesn't have a connection with any of the other characters. So you have kind of Bertie and, and Ileana getting together and... Rain and Danny getting together, but you know, poor Sam is kind of Beating just. Him out back, him around yeah. on his little chain. <laughs> so I, I guess, yeah, I, I don't know. Would you necessarily, if you're in an intense situation like you're you're in a prison, um, which effectively that was, it was a prison, and and the, and the kids are kind of co cognizant of that. They 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 say that from the beginning. Um, would you necessarily have time for relationships beyond friendships? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I, I didn't really didn't really have a problem with it. I don't mind it. I don't. You know. I, I think it's probably 
sometimes better to have that stuff in rather than not at all because films, you know, should be more representative of what actually goes on in the world. But it's it's kind of... And, and I guess there is that thing of... There's a couple of things theme-wise that I think it plays with. One is there is this very thin through line of, of male toxicity. So yeah. you could take it as a response to that mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Or it's a kind of metaphor as with the X-Men because obviously look, the, the, the X-Men have always been about civil rights I, I think and you know the powers are kind of presentative of the changes in society it's kind of saying yes here is a thing that's going to come along and, and completely alter the societal nature of the world you have to get used to it because it's going to happen whether you like it or not However, I think in this, the powers become a more a metaphor for puberty. So in a way, you could say that this is young people discovering themselves and they're discovering things about their nature that they didn't realise were there. Um, you know, because both the neither of the characters had really been with anyone. And, and so it's kind of, I, I feel there's an element of that. I, I guess it's going to, you know, do the relationships ring true or not? It's hard to say. Um, and, and I feel the movie could have been just a smidge longer and you could have had a few more yeah. character building moments and you only need a few minutes of that across a, an entire film to, to make it work um, but yeah I, I don't really have uh, an, an issue with it I don't know yeah I think I think you brought up something else though like I feel like Maybe they tried to throw in too much, and that's sure. why it felt out of place. Because, again, like going back to you're only 50% there with the horror element. You're only 50%, like, and then it feels like, why did you do it? Mm. Like, why did you go in that direction if you weren't going to, like, take it all the way? Like, I think I wish there were other moments that were scattered there to make it seem like it was a more natural building of that moment and uh you know versus just like it just was kind of just dropped in there you know Mm. like i want i want to feel that that intensity as you get through the film you know i don't want to just like you know then i'm just like i just skip a chapter and then uh oh man what did i miss you know like how did we get here (laughs) um but yeah 100 percent. i think that just overall like goes with with the movie just like they had a lot of stuff that they wanted to throw in there and they just couldn't like get it to at least 80% to where it felt like like 100% fleshed out. Sure. I, I think that is difficult because especially if you're dealing with the process of rewriting and reshooting and you're trying to condense that stuff down to, I mean, again, it's impossible to know how long they actually had in yeah. terms of the additional stuff that's been added in or things that have been taken away. And we won't know what those things are, um, I imagine, ever. But I always used to find when I used to write, what well, when I used to try and write movies when I was younger and stuff, what, what would happen was if you had a strong idea and the characters came out of that idea or the idea came out of the characters, anything that wasn't that would just kind of drop off naturally as you rewrote and went through it and like it's it's whether or not they had the opportunity to to really do that because i think once you're dealing with the thing of okay you've been hired to write this any sense of of the movie happening organically starts to disappear and 
It's always money, it's always time, and it's always those things that kind of put pressure on people. And I, I think they should do it in reverse. They should kind of go, well, take as long as you need and then come to us when it's ready. Here's a little bit of money to keep you going. And then we'll look at giving you more money and, and, and reshaping the script. But the, the organic nature of it starts to drop away because you're not being left alone with your ideas anymore and figuring out, does this fit? Does this piece go there? Should that really be there? Like I, I felt it kind of was organic to that film, but hey, you know, you might feel differently. It's, it's always time and money are always going to put a lot of pressure on a film. And uh, I, I do wonder if that was the case. Oh, 100%. I work corporate. I know. <laughs> you never fill this department. You never fill this one and then yeah. this one. And then next thing you know, it's like, well, what are we advertising here? Like, what's going out? Yeah. And, like, where's the true art that we're trying to express? And, like, I, I do want to commend uh, working working that into a film uh, in addition to, like, the main themes, like, such as fighting your fears and, yeah. like, you know, coming of nature and, like, you know, like discovering yourself, like those are really, especially if this is uh, skewed on a, you know, a tween younger audience, sure. you know, those are really powerful things that I think are lost in TV now. And, you know, just in general, in general, what uh, kids are watching. And again, like, I want to commend that aspect of it. You know, I just wish it could have been like a little, mm. like a little more fully there. Um, but yeah, but at least they were there. Yeah, I, I think I think the film was probably just a bit too dark to hit that sort of tween audience. It's not like if you're looking at Spider-Man, you know, the two recent Spider-Man movies, which were good teen movies, you know, really yeah. solid teen movies and good comic book movies too. And you really felt like the, especially I found with the sequel, like the, the teen relationship came first mm -hmm. and then they grafted the comic book movie onto it. Whereas with this... I think there was always pressure to, you know, make another X-Men movie. Uh, yeah. But it, my understanding was that this was kind of always going to be the last X-Men movie. Like, this was always oh, really? going to be the... Yeah, I, I I don't think they were planning anything beyond this. You don't think you're going to do another one? No, I, 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 like, in, in terms of the Fox stuff, I, I think this was oh, always oh, going to be the end for them. And they, I suspect, even if Disney hadn't brought them, they would have been looking at a reboot anyway for their X-Men yeah. universe, because I, I think it just become too sullied with a lot of the stuff going on outside of the actual films, which we might get into in the Patreon section. But I, I, I think they were always going to go like this was going to be the last one. And maybe this would have been the handoff film, whereas the next movies would have been New Mutants movies. But none of the the stuff in this film is strong enough to, to kind of support that. Like, I, I don't feel, oh, great, this is the beginning of an exciting new X-Men mini-universe. It does it does feel like a kind of kiss-off, as, as did Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix was, I, I, I think there was a lot of stuff in Dark Phoenix, and when we did the podcast for Dark Phoenix, I was kind of the lone voice going, actually, no, I think there are things in this movie, um, and I think they've gotten slightly lost, but I still think there are things in this movie. And actually ending an entire film series on a tiny little fight in a train yard is actually genius because it, it's kind of becomes anti the really big kind of grey people flying around getting shot out of the sky thing that, that most comic book movies have now. And 
you know, I, I think there's stuff in there, and I think there is something for stripping things back and making it smaller. But that's not where we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, a, I don't know if I would have felt the same if it was, like, a, a TV show, for example. Sure. If it was just in a totally different um, format. You know, maybe maybe that would have skewed it. Because it just it felt like TV show uh, hits versus, like, grand scheme movie. Yeah. I don't know it, if that makes sense. It, and it might have just, made a better show. Yeah, like, I, I think it could have helped. <laughs> I think it could have helped it, actually. <laughs> and I don't want to just, like, I, I didn't hate the movie, you know? I just, uh, I, I wanted, I think I wanted more. I wanted more out of their their powers. Then when we got to the, the, the end scene with uh, Magic and uh, Lockheed, I did some research. <laughs> that wasn't her character. Really? <laughs> that wasn't her character. That's that's Shadow, Shadow Cat's dragon. Oh, okay. So maybe it was so, Shadow Cat I saw on the the cover of that comic all those years ago. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe I'm totally wrong, but like I definitely dug around to the point where mm. I'm like, where did this dragon come from, and like why wasn't it in the film like a little bit more than just that end scene, you know? Yeah. But, um, Although I, I, that was an interesting way to do it with the hand puppet all throughout the thing, and then yeah, it gets manifested like as as something real, um, because yeah. the whole film deals with manifesting uh inanimate objects as real things like you know the little bear <laughs> becomes yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like again that that, that kind of gave me some problems because it's who do you want the bad guy to be do you want it to be these creepy uh smiling men walking around with the weird body movements or do you want it to be the giant fucking bear? Like, which, yeah, where's know. my bad guy? And I, I wonder if, again, they could have gone a bit smaller. But that doesn't necessarily play with the theme of, of the two bears that you're told about at the beginning. And, and it's also interesting. It's nice to have, it was just a nice little thing where, at the beginning of the movie, Danny's voiceover is talking about the two bears, the, the good bear and the evil bear. And the moment she starts talking about the evil bear the title New Mutants comes up and it's just like, oh, actually, maybe these kids aren't the good guys. <laughs> um, yeah. Which, again, was something they could have played with. But you don't get a sense of that. You're told, you, you know, you're given almost right away, oh, actually, no, they, these are the good guys and, and the Doctor's really evil. You're never given any doubt that the Doctor Reese is a bad person. Like, any doubt yeah. whatsoever. And it's just like, look, <laughs> it's obviously <laughs> shitty. <laughs> Yeah. Something. Like, Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> so I, I think there was a lot more with a bit more, a slightly longer running time and a bit more kind of texture. They could have done more with the movie, but ultimately, yeah. bit of a miss, really. Um, not, not horrible, but not as well played as it could have been, especially if. I imagine when they started, the movie was quite cheap. And I think at that budget level, you can kind of get away with a bit more. But, you know, I don't know that this poor guy was ever given the chance to make the kind of movie he wanted to. <laughs> yeah, which is like, unfortunately, I mean, like, you had a prime cast. Like, you couldn't have asked for more. Like, these are really great actors and actresses mm. and... <sighs> It's a shock that it just couldn't get to that level uh, when you really think about it. 
I mean, the only other thing that kind of drew me out of it um, was, uh, what's with that Russian accent? And <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I went hard with uh, Sam's character because I was like, what the hell? Like, Southern people don't talk like this. And I really, I looked into where he was actually from. So he, the character is actually from Kentucky. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe it wasn't as, like, staged as I thought it was. Right. You know, because, like, I've traveled. <laughs> I've traveled. <laughs> But um, but the the Russian accent was like, what the hell happened there? Like she's, I think the character is supposed to be the sister of oh, Colossus. No. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, that it just felt it was it was fake. It wasn't like it didn't feel like an authentic accent for me. And I don't know if I'm just being over critical, overly critical. Right. But it it definitely uh, every time she talked, I like paused in my brain and had to like go back and think through it you know it wasn't like a natural it didn't feel like a natural thing mm. and of course you have you have Maisie Williams as well I, I couldn't initially I couldn't tell if she was playing English Irish because I in my head rain is Irish I could be wrong yeah yeah I, I think no you're right so I think hers was fine but she's but she's the accent she's using is Scottish you went a little hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but maybe it was easy for her to hit a, as an actor to hit a, to hit the Scottish accent than it was to hit the the in uh, the the Irish one, which is fine. You know, it, it's a minor thing, um, but her her accent does wander a bit all over the place. Yeah. And but you know, she's a young actor, and you know, it's not always easy yeah, if you yeah. haven't necessarily acquired all those skills yet. If you're being rushed, we don't know that the accent wasn't added as a last minute thing, you know. That's true. Uh, And that had to be redubbed or, or, you know. And and of course, the Catholicism that she talks about is very much part of the Irish culture rather than, as far as I know, I'm happy to be corrected by anyone, the Scottish culture. So it it kind of baffled me as to like, where are you, like, which which Celt are you supposed to be? Yeah. yeah, and like I do have to like keep that in mind too. I can't like hold everybody to Christian Bale standard. I legit thought this guy was American. Like, yeah. no, no, Batman's American. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, he's not. No, he, he's not. I think he stays in. I've read and sort of seen interviews with him where he stays in in the accent the whole time. So whenever, even off camera, if he's just oh, really? yeah. If he's just, like in his day to day life, he'll stay in the accent. I don't know how much you need to do that. You know, that's kind of but very he's, method. He's on it. Like, yeah, he's a good he actor. Fooled, like, so. But it fooled me. It fooled me up until like maybe four months ago. I was like, yeah. what? Wait, he's not. <laughs> that's not his real voice. <laughs> but um, the, the weird thing is, I, I think when, you, when you're young, it maybe feels a bit wanky to do that. It feels like a bit, it's a bit like masturbation. And it's yeah. just like, I completely understand why you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to yeah, do that yeah. 24-7. Yeah. It's kind of, it is a bizarre thing. But her accent did wander all over the place. And also I was surprised they didn't make Berto, they didn't try and give him a, a Spanish accent. Yeah. But I guess he it kind of backstory was he'd been educated in America and... And, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even consider that. <laughs> yeah, because like, they do say his family's Brazilian, right? Like he's supposed yeah. to be from, from like Brazil, yeah. yeah so, with, with 
Oh, yeah, he was just like, F it, I'm not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the Sean Connery of this film. I'm not fucking doing that accent. <laughs> yeah, this is me. <laughs> take it or leave it. Just take it or leave it. But sometimes I, I think that, that an actor trying to do an accent it will ruin a film. Yeah. Or will, t- as it's done here for you, t- take you out of the movie. I know Russell Crowe was supposed to be Spanish in Gladiator, but Ridley Scott just went, no, we're not doing <laughs> I'm not like it's just one more thing to add yeah Yeah, that you don't need and again Connery Connery never did accents yeah never did accents you know and he played Russian and Irish and Egyptian and never did a fucking accent in his life because I think there are some people who have that quality where it's just like you're buying into the star you're not buying into the the, yeah. the kind of role and there's a thing that I, I kind of as I've gotten older think might actually be true that Gabriel Byrne said years ago when he did The Usual Suspects which he said all actors labour under the illusion that they play other people he said I actually think actors play themselves and the better they can play themselves the better actor they are and it's just like there, yeah, there might be something in that especially if you're dealing with stars because, you know, Tom Cruise is effectively Tom Cruise every time yeah, and manages yeah. to kind of knock it out 100%, of the park. So, um, 100%. Because you're buying into their, their brand. Like, why do you hire that actor or yeah. actress? Because it's that actor actress. Like, I think that was the one thing that I went in uh, with, uh, I, don't, I don't know her real name, but uh, Magic's character, she played in Split and she was an abused child so i'm like what is she typecasted for these roles you know like but again like that brand like you know she has these huge eyes and like you know like you kind of you want to it's like a cat you want to like pet it but it just keeps swatting at you yeah well she said you know she's a very kind of in-demand actor at the moment i I think annotated joy um and again i I didn't think the acting in the movie was bad i'm not when we knock the accents we're not saying that the acting is bad yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I'm not sure the movie really hit all the points for me that I wanted it to hit, and certainly not back when I saw that trailer in, I think, 2018 now. Um, you know, I'm not as excited by the end product as I was by that trailer, which really kind of energised me and made me think, ah, oh, 2019, that's going to be a great year for comic book movies. And in a lot of ways it was, but of course the ongoing saga of this being put out there and then pulled and then put out there and then pulled again. I think yeah. this is like the fourth time round for this film, which is horrifying really for a, for a movie at this budget level is horrifying. I mean, and then they just kind of slapped it in two two twenty. Like this is no, this is the year. For yeah. <laughs> a year when no just one, <laughs> no one is going to the movies. Here's the movie. Um, <laughs> but I feel for it. But I, I, I think in terms of reputation, there was no way they could have pulled it again. If they'd pulled it again and said 2021, people would have just gone, I'm not going to bother with this. Yeah. And certainly comic fans would have. Because like, I don't know if you know like the Shazam comic that that's Jeff Johns. Um, I can't remember who the artist is. It might be Dale Eaglesham. Um, but it was a good comic. So it started off really well. And then once it started getting sort of six or seven issues in, because of all the other stuff I think that Jeff Johns was doing, they were like, oh, the book's going to be late. 
It's going to be in two months is the next issue. And people were literally going, just cancel the book. And it's just like, but why? It's a good book. Why do you want to cancel it? Surely just it's better to just wait for, you know, but they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't cancel it. And eventually the book did 15 issues and they kind of went, yep, that's the end now. But, Aww. you know. I mean, I didn't read it. You know, but. but I, like, I like the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's just that thing. People will not wait. Like, the, if you're not ready with a new movie or a new book, there's going to be someone else there who is. And, you know, bang, they're right. going to be bringing something else. Warner's, I mean, the Warner's thing is, is I don't know if you've, you've heard any of that stuff. The Warner Brothers. So, Warner Brothers, a couple of days ago, I'm going to be writing about it this week for the site, um, have announced that all their movies in 2021 will be released on HBO Max at the same time they're going to be on at cinemas because they can't guarantee the audiences will be there anymore. Yeah. And naturally, cinemas and various the various production companies that are involved with their these films, especially Legendary, are incensed. They are yeah. outraged. Christopher Nolan has come out yesterday and, and had some quite scathing words about it. Oh, wow. But at the same time, if you were going to release a bit of art that would normally be seen by 60 million people and then you were kind of told, oh, well, because of this this thing, maybe, you know, 20 million people will see it, you're going to be upset, right? I mean, <laughs> you're going to yeah. be kind of... It, it's it's yeah, a lot of money at gotta, stake. <laughs> so I don't know which side. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know which, yeah, and especially at the level they're at, it's a lot of lights yeah. to keep on. I don't know how I feel about this. So I'm going to write an article on it and try and sort through my feelings on it. But I think this year has been totally bizarre for movies. And I think this this movie's journey to be in a movie that we can all see has been totally bizarre. I think that's counted against it. You know, my heart goes out to the people that made that film. I quite enjoyed it. Would I watch it again? I don't know. Maybe in some other form, if there was there, there was another version coming that had some of the original stuff in, or you know whatever we've missed out of this movie, I, I'd like to see that. But who knows? Anyway, there we go. <laughs> New Mutants available now. <laughs> I, I always say though, see it for yourself. You, you don't have to listen to us. See it for yourself. Always, if you're interested in seeing a movie. It doesn't matter who says it's bad or good. Go see it for yourself. I'm not here to tell you what to spend your money on. Yeah, there are a lot of good takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think at least it... Just because I sit in the horror realm doesn't mean everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love B-movie horror. <laughs> That's I, yeah, my well, pinnacle of yeah. what I like. But, Nikki, thanks so much for doing this. I, it's been great having you on. And uh, thank you for getting over any fear you might have had about coming on and doing the show it, it's been fantastic having you you are going to stick around for the patreon section so if guys you're listening and you aren't signed up to the patreon yet you can sign up for as little as two pounds a month and you will get all the bonus podcast stuff that is coming your way there will be bonus stuff for this thanks for listening everyone uh remember you can follow me uh at comic crush paul you can follow the site at the comic crush um, that's Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook. Just find the comiccrush.com page. 
Nikki, where can people find you if they want to follow you? Oh, I'm on Instagram, uh, Slanted Line. Um, yeah, follow me there. I'd love to connect with everybody that uh, is into art, comics, music. But yeah, thanks again, Paul, for having me. No, thank you. And, and I, I just want to take a minute to remind you, Nikki, you do have a store, right? Like a, where people can buy your art? Uh, it's all through Instagram. So I, right. like, I like connecting with everybody that... Uh, would want to purchase uh, an original piece so yeah so hit me up on the dm yeah i i, I have a piece of, of nikki's art it's wonderful it's really good stuff she has a really good strong satirical sense it's it's great and then also there are other like landscapes that you do that are amazing and um you got larry the predator on there that yeah. stuff so <laughs> there's some great stuff on 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 nikki's instagram do follow her slanted line um, and you'll be able to, to grab a piece of our art. Um, yeah, please do support artists and uh, support Nikki. Be very grateful if you did that. Nikki, thank you very much. We say goodbye thank to so all. Much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for coming on. We're saying goodbye now to everyone who doesn't have the Patreon. Why don't you have the Patreon? Um, you should get it. Goodbye, guys. Thanks for listening. Want to hear more from this week's show? Sign up to our Patreon on the website thecomiccrush.com and don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Comic Crush and like our page on Facebook. It's goodbye to listeners who aren't signed up for the Patreon now. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Remember to follow Nikki on Instagram at Slanted Line and check out her art and her music. It's fantastic stuff and uh, well worth your time. So we'll catch you next time on The Crush.